You know what? It's a, it's a Chris Matthews. You're listening to Katie Helper show. I don't agree with anything she says, but I want to know what she says. Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. You can find us on iTunes where you can rate and review us. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Facebook. Find us on Twitter. You can hear the Katie Helper Show every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org. On today's episode, I speak to comedian James Adomian about politics, coming out as gay coming out as left and of course find our bonus content and extended interviews including my extended interview with james adomian on patreon go to patreon.com slash the katie helper show again that's patreon.com slash the katie helper show so excited to be here live in the living room of james adomian hi hi james one of, James is really one of, I know I like to kind of, I, I praise all my guests all the time, but James really is really, really, really funny, smart, funny, smart. I'm okay. He's okay. He's all right. I always tell this to people because I'm a big nerd. I'm like, James, you know the thing about James is that in college he was a theater econ, right? Am I right? Wow, you know this. Yeah. Theater econ double major. And that really gets to the heart of it because you're really good at impersonations and mimicking and mimicry. But you're also part of what makes you so good about that. At that, is that you're really into policy. I understand some things. I've I've deliberately cut out a lot of um, ongoing adult education from my life just for sanity's purpose. Yeah, I mean, I used to know a lot. It also sounds like I'm being a total elitist schmuck, being like, you know. Well, he don't worry. I degree, did you know so. this? This is amusing. I failed out of my own self-designed major in college. Really? And your <laughs> self-designed major was econ theater and, and economics. Theater? So what'd you do when you failed out? Well, I just, I still owe them like nine credits. So you're like a, you are a, a college, uh, uh, what? I went the distance. I'm a four-year college uh, ongoing student, I guess oh. you could say, uh, to make it look the nicest. So you're not, you're not a graduate. I'm not a graduate. All right. James, it's been I'm nice knowing listed. you. You're still enrolled. You know what? Life is a university. <laughs> and yes, and I've asked for an incomplete. Have you given that yourself? In life. Nice. Give it. Give it to yourself. You, you're worth it. I will give myself an incomplete. Do your parents care? Do they ever pressure you to... to they, uh, don't re- I, I'm, I'm, they don't really have any uh, say over it. I don't know any of the stereotypes even about... I apologize for not being able to stereotype Armenians better. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not familiar with Well, I'm only a the... quarter Armenian, so oh. that's just... That's more an extended family or community... Got it. Uh, ...flavor. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, but you got the last name. I guess, in my yeah. life. I do have the last name, so I have to answer for it. Right. You have a lot to answer for. <laughs> a lot of blood. Not a lot of blood on your hands. A lot of blood on other people's hands, maybe? Oh, right. Yes, I have to... Yes. They have to answer to you. There, there was an unfortunate episode. Yeah. That, uh, that yeah, I, I guess I, I, by default, have to educate people right. on from time to time. Or you could do the, that would be really funny if you started saying, like, it's not on me to educate you about the Armenian genocide. Well, I'm happy to. I know, I know. People, people pull that sometimes. I know, but it's it's not really. I've never heard someone pull that on the Armenian I genocide. Guess, I, mean, I guess I don't mind it when I'm prepared. But yeah, I don't want my day interrupted with, with lectures on uh, a Armenian. hostile questioning about the Armenian genocide. If it even was a genocide, is what the hostile question. That does happen. Be, there right? are um, there there are interest groups related to yeah. Turkish nationalism, and and a lot of the oil companies have an interest in keeping 
the Armenian genocide uh, unrecognized hmm. and quiet because they want to be building pipelines through Turkey and what used to be Armenia. Right. Do you speak Armenian? Oh, Kichmehai. Kichmehai Reni. Uh, I speak just a very little bit. I can say things. Uh, make I can basically uh, get through a meal? pleasantries oh, with pleasantry, uh, yeah. Armenians. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I love him. That's that's he- uh, hello. How are you? Or Barev is hello. Inch possess is how are you? And then Lavem is I'm doing well. Lavem. Okay, I like it. Lavem. Lavem. Okay. Yes. And what's the other ethnic makeup of your family? Uh, yeah. Here, okay. So the, my joke is I'm 25. I'm a quarter Armenian, and the other three quarters is 75. percent Nice. Yeah, I guess um, uh, a, a mix of uh, Anglo and other whitenesses i'm trying to think of what you you look very what like this is what happens there's i can tell i can tell quarter armenians when i see them really because, yep you get the slight red hair oh wow yes uh, um arm hair leg hair hairy body slight sort of like bushy red hair uh-huh. yeah that's the look uh qa community <laughs> quarter armenian community you're here you're real yeah here don't mess with us yeah mostly wow were you raised religious at all uh, yeah, but not Armenian apostolic, which is my ancestors. Uh, I was raised in a more uh, fundamentalist, uh, what do you call it, Pentecostal Christian. Whoa, I did not know that. Yeah, in Santa Monica, actually. Wow. So, okay, the reason I know the, the theater econ thing, just so we can... We toured together. Yeah, we... So, right, so I used to... I co-founded something called Laughing Liberally. And, of course, this... James and I are like, I'm not very comfortable identifying as a liberal anymore. I don't know if you are. Um, no, I, I don't think I would call myself. Yeah. Liberal. And it's funny because there was a time when it was useful. It was useful. Yeah. And, and it's hard because you don't want to alienate people who are, there are people with good politics who still call themselves liberal. Yeah. Who are like, Oh, you know what? I'm liberal. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I don't like argue with. Right. Them. <laughs> right. And you don't want to alienate people who don't have this kind of inside baseball knowledge of what that means. Right. So we do need, I guess progressive is a good term to use i mean i'm more left is fine yeah but i i I was never a liberal like when people were like let's reclaim liberal like why it's such a centrist term anyway but for some people they needed to do that because it was a dirty word under bush well yeah i mean whoever was in charge of um pr for liberals did a phenomenally spectacularly bad job yeah yeah because basically they got they got napalm like the term liberal got napalmed and demolished over the course of the 80s and 90s to the point where when i was like uh like a young teenager listening to talk radio like liberal liberal was almost as bad a word as communist to like standard talk radio so can you tell us a little bit about your political evolution so we met when i was i started something called laughing liberally with justin krebs that was based on the name of drinking liberally which justin krebs and our other friend matt o'neill started um right after bush was elected and so you and i met because i don't even remember how we saw you in the first place but we saw you, you were great uh, and you it was did probably some showcase i think it might have been at the laugh factory oh okay which i've never performed at much but i think i specifically did the showcase there because you guys were looking at people and so yes i did george w bush. right we performed at town hall together in new york city <laughs> I, got, so I got a letter from president abajanindab i didn't read it but I have people that read it for me, and uh, I watch part of the news stories. 
understand that Iran is out there. I know that. I know that I understand it's an entirely different country from Iraq. Now we know that Condi's prepared for some Iran-Iraq flashcards. He can now find the two countries on the map. He can almost spell them, but he keeps putting the U at the end of Iraq because he just learned that U after Q rule, and then now he has to study the one word doesn't apply to. And we did a couple of videos also. We did videos. We did some local touring yeah. in you the Northeast, I think. You interviewed uh, Charlie Rangel. Remember God, that? Yes, yes I yeah. remember. That's still up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, Bush interviews Charlie Rangel. Oh, my God, yeah. Congressman Charles Ranger. New York? It's Rango, Mr. President. Rango? Yeah. I knew that. I don't think it's possible that I could be so unpopular and get indicted. I think well, I... stick with mom and dad. They love you. They really do. They, Your do. Mother, they really do. I'm, but I'm spending about three months a year there. Don't ask mom's advice on Katrina. That that didn't help much, you know. That is a, a question that I is know. near and dear to my heart's I know. Well, she, she's not used to seeing poor people and black folks, so... Who is? Amy Goodman, you interviewed, interviewed Amy, Amy Goodman. Amy Goodman, yeah, that was uh, right. Amy Goodman of Democracy Now. I'm glad to have you here. It's okay to be here. This was my this was my very hostile George W. Bush impression, where it was all like, "We're gonna fuck you guys up. We're uh, we're out there." And I would, I, I mean, it's so long ago, but I used to have him like cheerfully confess to war crimes yeah. and in a constitutional way, right? violations yeah, yeah. Uh, i don't know which wiretap program you're talking about mine is all is constitution worthy uh you see because uh i haven't uh, read all of the constitution but the parts i have look pretty good and uh, you see the founder fathers had a vision of uh rights and if they had a problem with what we're doing they would have wrote something down and uh, from what I've read in the Constitution so far, they didn't. You see, because they didn't have wiretaps back then to worry about. They didn't have televisions back in the 1500s or telephones. They didn't have spies back when Benjamin Franklin was president. So, like, you know, somebody asked a, a tough question because <laughs> I would take questions from the audience. Off the cuff. Well, yeah, yeah the, the great thing about Bush is that you, you could basically just answer any question the wrong way. It was like the opposite of Groucho Marx. It was like, just come up with a saying and ruin it. Mm -hmm. I believe we went into Iraq because we had to. We couldn't wait for the threat of a form to come in the shape of a mushroom stool. Uh, so, uh, no, the troops ain't coming back until the war comes back. So people ask a question, I'd be like, I think it sounds like you just asked your own question. <laughs> I know, and it really, it was so close to what he would actually say. It almost wasn't parody or funny, you know what I mean? Because he himself was that. Well, right. It was horrific. Uh, I believe that the Constitution is between one man and one woman. I didn't see a broken back mountain, but my philosophy is that you hate the center, not the center. Mr. President. I mean, I remember doing stuff for Matt Stoller's website. He ultimately, we had to stop doing it because he told me, like, people are so depressed at these videos. What was that called? Because I was just like, there's no way to stop me. Half the Democrats are on my side. <laughs> what the fuck are you going to do about it? You did this thing once where you were like, you, you told that, that refrain about from the Bible about God carrying. Yes, oh that God. was the big closing number where it was, I did the footprints story. Yeah. And I got it wrong, of course, like Bush. So it was like, there's a, I'll do it. There's a, there's a story that we get from Texas that by way of the Bible. And it's a story about the Jesus. And he's walking. The story goes like this. There's a man walking down the beach, and he's walking along with Jesus. And he turns around, and he sees there's only one set of footprint. And if, 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 
if he grabs Jesus, he says, Jesus, Jesus says what? He says, there's only one set footprint here. Where was you? And Jesus, Jesus said, Jesus was flying. That's amazing. And I don't think I remembered the, the singular footprint, like set of footprints. That's yes. a really good, yes. uh, yeah. Subject verb agreement, always wrong. No matter who we are uh, or what color we is, I think that we have to respect all Mexican people, whether they're from uh, El Salvador or Cuba or other parts of the world. It was just like every little thing that you learned to become a writer, he just yeah. didn't know and would get the opposite of. I don't know who you think you're talking to. Uh, this isn't uh, Humpty Stiltskin up here granting fairy wishes. Uh, I believe we went into Iraq because we had to. We couldn't wait for the threat of a form to come in the shape of a mushroom stool. Uh, so, uh, no, the troops ain't coming back until the war comes back. I know there's a lot of rumors out there that I've been uh, squeezing Condoleezza, but I don't like to talk about my extra maritime affairs. Uh, I think I'd like to uh, put these vicious rumors and lies to, to rest for once and forever. Uh, no comment. So tell us about how you, I mean, you you came from what kind of family politically? Right wing, mm -hmm. uh, like fundamentalist? Tell us about yeah. tell us about your upbringing and how you got to be into comedy and also not be right wing. Uh, yeah, I mean, as a funny kid, as a smart kid, as somebody who loved Mel Brooks movies, and um, uh, I would obsessively find every comedy that was available at Blockbuster and like bring them home, like beyond what my parents had seen and what my family was interested in. And I was always like renting old BBC comedy shows and anything that I could get my hands on. And um, uh, that was, I mean, that was fun. And that was, and I loved Janine Garofalo. And I loved, um, and I, I, I think I, early on, even as a teenager, I understood that the funniest people were somehow of the left. Mm -hmm. And then at the time, I would have said liberals. Um, like Lenny Bruce or who? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, even, but like the movies that get made. And um, I think, yeah. I I remember loving the Stephanie Miller show on KFI here in Los Angeles because of how funny it was, even though I disagreed with the things she okay. said. And so that's how it was. And I was just a young teenager, grew up with like um, uh, church values uh, uh, that was sort of at odds with how, well, it was at odds with my my heroes in comedy. And it was also at odds with uh, me being gay and immediately obliged to be in the closet um even though i realized it in words that i was gay as early as the age of 12 i think um what do you mean in words i mean in my mind like oh i'm gay <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, not I, it was out. specifically that um that year that bill clinton was elected when there I, that year or the year after there was a big gay march on washington and i remember listening to it on the radio March for queer rights. That's transgender, bisexual, gay, lesbian, faggot, dyke, strange, straight but loving gays. Human rights, civil rights. And I remember figuring.
figuring out through the news what gay was. Mm. And, oh, it's – the way I thought it, realized it was like, oh, it's men who have an attraction for men instead of women. And then I was like, oh, my God. Oh, fuck. Buckle up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I am. Wheels up. And then, you know, I mean, God, there's diff- there was different – there was different sides of my personality and there's this back and forth that's, I mean, it would be familiar to some people of wanting to have sex with men and wanting to love men and always wanting to be in a romantic relationship with a man or sexual relationship with a man, but then also feeling guilty about that, feeling like it was wrong. And I mean, and really, and also dumber, stupider stuff than that too. Like I remember being, um, teenager and going and getting my hair cut and like hairstylists that were like gay men cutting my hair and talking to to, like I would talk to them and I remember thinking as a teen this is so stupid I remember thinking as a teenager wow like wow I I wonder if I'm gay if at some point my voice is gonna go more effeminate and it never happened right like gay puberty (laughs) like you were gonna go through gay puberty or something I thought so and it never happened um maybe it happened a little bit uh, but, uh, 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 yeah, it was, it was a v- very strange cause I would pay attention to gay people in gay culture and be like, well, there's that. And I'm not sure if I fit into that. Uh, were you like hoping for an out? Like, were you hoping for a sign that you weren't that? Yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I mean, when the church would start talking about people who used to be gay and stuff, I paid attention to that. Thank God. Thank God duh, I didn't have to go through any kind of um, uh, conversion therapy right. or camp. But I mean, if I had if I had revealed any cards, that would have happened. So how old were you? So when I you... had to be very quiet and closeted. Right. Tiptoeing around in the closet. Yeah. So then I got to college and everything changed. And so you is that when you came out to your family or was that or did you ever um, even, have you come out to them? I don't even it know. It was a process of one by one, person to person from the age of from the age of 18 to 25 is when I came out to my dad Mm. Um, and that didn't go well and it still hasn't Mm. that's the end of that (laughs) Um, but yeah it was a very difficult process very difficult time in my life and it was uh, I'm not the only one who's gone through stuff and I I didn't have it easy and I didn't have it as bad as some people do Um, how old are you now? I'm 38 just turned 38 you look young (laughs) Thank you. I'm thirty. I'm, I I'm use, thirty-six. But I you, use oils. Yeah, it's the gay oils that you produce. <laughs> it's the gay, gay it's sebum. Lubes. I yeah. lube my face. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you know, uh, separately from that, you know, I, God, this is so ridiculous. When I was, I because I had a journey from, I, I, I was never vociferously anti-gay, although I, thought. I would. Uh, I used to do an impression of Bob Dornan on Who's as a that? kid. He was a California congressman, right wing okay. congressman, and I used to do an impression of Bob Dornan on Mr. KFI, which was an open call in radio show uh-huh. in L.A. And because um, I loved talk radio, and I would do like a Bob Dornan impression, like a bombastic right wing guy making fun of him and doing gay slurs uh-huh. because he did too. And but it was also it was like a kind of a way of me to like feel out my real feelings about something by doing a character huh. even as a teenager like I was able to talk about 
things, even but the way I approached it was playing the bad guy, Bob Dornan, talking about gay issues. Even though I was a Republican at that point, I didn't like him. Uh-huh. Uh, he was like known for being very anti-gay, and his nickname was B1 Bob Dornan because he made sure that the B1 bomber got funded in the 1980s. Oh. Orange County guy. 2,000 wild partying homosexuals, hundreds of them almost naked, down here in our biggest, most beautiful, taxpayer-owned and operated auditorium. I'm just sorry. This is like a visit to Dante's Inferno. He lost to Loretta Sanchez in 1994 oh, okay. in the big, uh, or in the year after the 96 elections, I believe, in the big watershed when Orange County flipped partly Democrat. Um... But, I mean, I used to like Pat Buchanan. I was wow. like, because uh, my dad did. So I was a populist uh, conservative. And I liked the, there's some things about Pat Buchanan that I still like. Like he what? Was anti-war. And, yeah. he was, and he was in favor of American manufacturing and against NAFTA. Yeah. So I, that's how I felt. And that's like the core issue that stayed with me. Yeah. Through nice. my evolution. And then like as Being I got a, older. Being a Buchananite. Yeah, and I'm, a, you're talking I'm about, not. A, I, you're talking about like a, uh, n- you know, NAFTA or whatever TPP being against that stuff. Yes, being against and yeah. There's some people that you can agree with on isolated of course, issues. Yeah. Uh, but I will say this: when I, when when Buchanan ran for president in 2000, I was in college, and I remember. At this by by this point, I have mostly not even liberal friends, but like radical anarchists and. Most of my friends are anarchists and now you mean or in college? In college. Okay. And um, socialists. And so, but I I will have to say, I went to a uh, Whittier college and I will have to say that the, the, the people that I was friends with uh, were very like um, uh, open to conversation Mm -hmm. and I lost a lot of arguments and, uh, and, but also by just paying attention, like someone would mention, well, this is wrong. And I was learning a lot at the time and going like, yeah, that's obviously wrong. And there were some things about the populist right that became indefensible mm. over, during, while I was in college. And Pat Buchanan in particular, as an example, ha- had some indefensible ideas that were anti-Semitic and uh, racists, particularly against Latino people. And I remember... <laughs> I remember reporting something that the local California Pat Buchanan campaign person had said that was racist. I reported it up to the campaign. That's like, really cute. Uh, like, um, like, hey, you shouldn't have people right. on the campaign saying this kind of thing. And they complete, they were not interested at they all. They probably promoted him. Well, yeah. And then I realized, oh, okay, this is these are bad people. And, um, and at the same time, I had gone to a Ralph Nader rally. Mm-hmm. And I saw Ralph Nader speak in Long Beach in 2000 and I was blown away yeah and I was like oh this is way better than anything on the right right like some there's the right-wing weirdos who are correct about one thing here and there accidentally um but then there's a movement here that's dedicated to things that I agree with way more right it's not just a one-off where they happen to be yeah and so I sort of I I um yeah in college I I by the end of college I I was done with anything conservative at all when did you first get into comedy um i mean i never was not in comedy i was a class clown going back to elementary school and i think by the time i was in high school and college i i thought maybe i would be an actor 
mm-hmm. instead of a comedian. But kind of really, I always wanted to be a comedian. And that was the focus. I figured I was going to be like a comic actor. I didn't think I was going to be a stand-up. I thought I was going to be like a comedy actor. How do you identify? Because I feel I, like... I am a little bit, but yeah. I do way more stand-up now. You do, yeah, stand-up and... I mean, what it, what genre of comedy is your... is When you're Bernie or you're... Like the Trump-Bernie uh, tour that you did. Tonight, Donald Trump faces off against Bernie Sanders. Trump versus Bernie, debate for America. Um, I don't even, is that stand-up? That, I mean, what is, that, what's would, that even? You would call, that's a hard thing to categorize. Yeah. Uh, that is long-form improvised character. Yes, that's what I, yeah. It's a unique format because it's a, it's, a, it's a debate. And there's not a lot of debate comedy right. shows. Um, they happen. They definitely happen. Um, but that was a unique thing. Anthony Atamanik and I both come from a background of improv. I studied improv at the Groundlings and then kind of like parachuted over to Upright Citizens Brigade mm-hmm. when my Groundlings time came to a close. Or before, actually. There was like an overlap. And then I had known Anthony, I had kind of barely known Anthony Atamanik over the years as this great UCB New York guy that I would see once a year. And then when I lived in New, I lived in New York for two years yeah. and I did a lot of shows with Anthony and Tamanik. And then we had stayed in touch. And I always remember just looking forward to seeing him, you know, one of those people, you know, like you and me when you live in a yeah. different city and you're like, uh, uh, so that's the kind of relationship I have with Tony. And then, we, I heard he was doing Donald Trump, and then sight unseen, I was like, if Anthony Tamanik is doing Donald Trump, I, it's guaranteed to be the craziest, most bombastic impression of Donald Trump, which Donald Trump, yeah. <laughs> which is what you need, right? Um, and so I hadn't even seen it, and I was like, hey, Anthony, I'm coming to New York. I'm doing Bernie Sanders. We should do a Trump versus Bernie debate, yeah. and we did. And then from there, and where was that? The first one? At UCB at Whiplash. Oh. We have incredible riots. We have the best riots at our rallies. I want to tell you this. We're killing in the polls. We're killing in every state. And if I become president, I promise you this, we will kill everybody. When the top 1% of the top 10% of the top 1% of the top 10% of the top 1% is a smaller percentage than all the other percentages combined, that math needs to change. And from there, it took off. Yeah, I've seen that. It's really, really great. I saw it at um on the Lower East Side. Where was it? Uh, Bowery, Bowery, Bowery Ballroom. Bowery. Yes, yeah, I yes, think that's yes. where it was, right? We did we did like four or five shows in New York over the course of six months, and uh, didn't have any impact on the election because um, <laughs> the registration deadline was the October. Oh yeah, you're right. Which yeah. was, I believe, I believe October. October would have been the first Trump versus Bernie debate, October 2015. Uh, yeah, so when we started doing Trump versus Bernie, it was already too late to have an impact on the New York election. And you, by the way, I didn't know this, your grandfather was a mathematician, well-known in the world of math? He is well-known in the world of math. I think there's um, institutes at a couple of colleges that are dedicated to studying his work. George Adomi. That's, do you know him? Did you meet him? Oh, yeah. He, he passed away when I was uh, 16, so I wow. knew him pretty well. Um, he was an American mathematician of Armenian descent who developed the Adomian decomposition method, ADM, for solving nonlinear differential equations, both ordinary and partial. Yes. The way he descri- And I am not um, studied on the level of math that he did. I, I mean, I had a very bad grade in calculus. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, I was not a math. Calculus was person. the end of my math career but um 
basically he told me he told the way he described it to in his mind probably in his idiot grandson <laughs> I'm sure not. was um he, he described it as taking a complex differential equation or partial differential equation and instead of solving it literally breaking it down into almost like a like a series of smaller uh uh, smaller equations or like a metaphor like solving to use a literary analogy like a metaphor for what the equation is okay and approximating a solution that was so it's a method for approximating a solution to a problem that's such a good approximation that it's better than the computer huh. wow and it's um it's still studied and he so this is your dad's dad who was a, a bit uh the guy, the the father who you said you had a hard time coming out with, right? And mm -hmm. still, was mm -hmm. he socially conservative also and religious? I guess so, but that was a long time ago, and I just know he was an academic. Uh, he was a complex person, right? I, uh, you know, he died before I got to talk to him about a lot of stuff. I did have a very meaningful conversation with him in the last in the last year of his life. I did a college, I mean, excuse me, I did a high school history paper on the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and he had been in the Pacific War. Oh, wow. And I was a little punk, you know, like a little asshole, and I I was, I, I, my opinion was that it was a good thing at the time that we had done that. And so I began my interview with him. Um, the project was you're supposed to interview someone who was in the war. Yeah. And, and write about it, so I wrote about that. And he had been, he... He, I think, he was he walked through either Hiroshima or Nagasaki way too early, earlier than he should have, after the bomb bombing. Oh, because um, he wanted to see, he more see he work. wanted to see what had happened. Right, and so I was like I was like this like you know uh, flippant right. teenager, and I was like yeah, so you know my teacher thinks it was bad that we did this, but obviously <laughs> you know, <laughs> he schooled me. My grandfather was like. He was like, your teacher's right. It was uh, it was an unspeakable crime. And uh, he was a tough guy, too. He was a lifelong fighter, um, like a street brawler. Wow. And, um, and he grew up in Armenia? No, he grew up in Detroit. Oh. Um, so, but he was like, he was like, it was a crime. He was like, we, we, what we did to the Japanese people was inexcusable. He talked about how beautiful their culture was. Wow. And how the attack on the cities was uh, unfair because it was an attack on the civilians. And he also pointed out that we, he was like, we didn't do that to the Germans. Right. Dresden, but not, that wasn't comparable, right? Yeah. But small. in general, was, we didn't, yeah. you know. Right. I so find that, it that, fascinating. That, that, like, that stuck with me. That stuck with me. The idea that someone who had lived through that, uh, and he had never told me that before. Right. Um, how old were you when this happened? Sorry, when uh, you probably fifteen or sixteen. Wow. Yeah. And so, did your is that something like your dad would would agree with? I mean, he who knows, but is that I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm That's just wondering. If it's, yeah. Um, I mean, they disagreed with each other on a lot of stuff. It's strange. I get the sense that my father was uniquely more right-wing yeah. than the rest of his family, right. but that's hard. I think he grew up an atheist and then became a Christian. Oh, he rebelled. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. That's, I mean, <laughs> that's very, that's that seems to me to be a very Armenian uh -huh. thing is like, 
grew up an atheist and then went back to Christianity. So who did your parents in, uh, vote for in 2016? I don't know. You don't tell me. My dad, but... I don't talk to. My mom is, has evolved in oh, many right. ways and is different than she was when I was a kid. Um, there's a patchwork quilt of ideologies throughout my family on both sides. And uh, uh, it's, I mean, it's interesting. I, 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 there's people I disagree with very passionately. And I've said this before. I have enough right-wing people in my family that I don't really need any more yeah. new ones. Right. <laughs> I've got enough that I need to deal with. So what is that? Cousins, aunts, uncles? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. I get, I get the whole spread. Every uh, somewhere in my family, someone supported every candidate right. who ran on the Republican and the Democratic side. So I'm, I'm covered. Yeah. And you have siblings? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have brothers. How many? Three. Oh wow. Yeah. Um, but um. And are any of them like you politically? Mm, yes, yes. Well, yeah. And there's, the, there's a lot of disagreement though. I mean. I don't know how to say this. Adomians disagree about shit. Yeah. We argue about all kinds of things. Micro issues, even. Like um, or some little, some country in geopolitics, one of us takes one side and yeah. the other one takes the other side. And um, You'll never agree on Macedonia. <laughs> There'll yeah. never be consensus on that, yeah. Former Yugoslavia. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Cyprus, get out. Forget like, about it. The, the Slovenian struggle is essentially <laughs> one of absurdity. <laughs> um, but, you know, Jesus. this is worth saying, too, is my family was very poor. Mm. Um, I mean, I lived through um, poverty, and I understand from, from firsthand experience the self-defeating um, the self-defeating cause of being a poor Republican mm -hmm. and how stupid it is. And I understand how I understand all the narratives that are used to deceive people into it. And that's something that I'm very interested in making fun of to this day. Like what? What's one is, of those? You know, when I make fun of a Republican, I'm making fun of a lie that I'm personally familiar with. Right. Because if it worked on me as a teenager or maybe it worked on someone that's in my family or a friend of mine that I once knew. And I know, I, I mean, I know all the lines of bullshit that they use to sell what is fundamentally an elitist ideology and um, to as people a that folksy. are the victims of it or some of the victims of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm of the generation that was catastrophically hammered by NAFTA. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other Clinton era free trade deals that were not just, I mean, and, and oh, that was another thing I should also credit in my political evolution. Absolutely. And what is the other thing James should also credit in his political evolution? To find out, become a Patreon supporter at patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper Show. And you'll hear the rest of my interview with James, during which he explains that other influence on his political consciousness talks more about politics political comedy why comedians support different candidates and does a little bit more bernie thanks so much for listening to the katie helper show we will see you next week and don't forget to become patreon supporters to hear the rest of my interview with james adomian James Adomian is a comedian and actor. He can be seen in David Cross's featured directorial debut, 
hits and in the forthcoming feature film Love After Love. James has guest starred on Comedy Central's Midnight, The Meltdown, and Drunk History, on Adult Swim's Children's Hospital, and on IFC's Comedy Bang Bang. As Bernie Sanders, James is one half of Trump vs. Bernie, a comedy debate act that includes a memorable guest appearance on Comedy Central and two specials for Fusion, along with a live international tour in 2016. He works as a voiceover artist on numerous animated shows, including Disney's Future Worm and Nickelodeon's Pig Goat Banana Cricket. He's also a beloved regular guest on the Earwolf Podcast Network, where his debut stand-up comedy album, Low Hanging Fruit, was released. To find out more about James, go to jamesadomian.com. That's James, A-D-O-M-I-A-N.com. You can also find him on Twitter at jadomian. Make sure you find me on Twitter at KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S. You can use the hashtag KT Helps Show. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S H O W. Also, find us on Facebook. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Leave a little review, say something great. 